0: Everyone, okay, we are February 1st, 14th. Yeah, we're kind of behind the week, we have to take a week off. That's my fault. So, do you have anything for February 1st?
1: Um, well, I looked at, I looked and saw what you had, and then the was that the one that was that this the date for the misfits? Because I did, yes, I mm-hmm. did the, uh, did
0: so 1961, episode. February 1st, 1961. The premiere of the movie, The Misfits, star. is directed by John Ford, stars Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe. And it was their last completed film, both of them, Clark Gable and Marilyn Monroe. It's good. I love it.
1: I never saw The Misfits. And when I was, I can't say I loved Clark Gable. I don't think I've seen like any movies of his, except for like Gone with the Wind. Yeah. But I love Montgomery Clift. And he's in The Misfits. But then I was reading like fun facts, like different websites about, that movie because like you said, Meryl Monroe and Clark Gable both died. Clark Gable died 12 days after the movie.
0: Wow. I didn't know it was 12 days.
1: Yeah. He had like a heart attack two days after it was done filming and then died like 10 days later. Oh my God. And Meryl Monroe died a year after it was finished. But then I was reading about it because she was married to Arthur Miller and he wrote the movie. It was based on a short story. I think he wrote. Oh, Yeah.
0: Screenplay. Yeah.
1: She was married to him, but the marriage was like deteriorating the entire time. So she was heavily abusing alcohol and drugs during the filming. And, but then so was Montgomery Clift because he had had that car accident, which, you know, years before that had, you know, just mangled his face and he had like intestinal issues and stuff. So he was heavily medicated and abusing alcohol that I read that they had
0: that the one where he like flipped his car off of Mulholland Drive? He was leaving like a, a
1: party at Elizabeth Taylor's house. That was this, I don't, I, I, I don't know if that's true, but I remember hearing that, you know, she was alerted about the accident after he left the house and she ran to the site and like pulled a tooth out of his tongue that he was choking on, like stuck her hand in his mouth and like pulled that out. Yeah, gross. But I read that there was. They had to hire a doctor on set 24-7 for the two of them because they were like just hot messes. And then I read a quote that said Marilyn Monroe wrote that Montgomery Cliff was the only person I know who's even worse shaped than I am. Wow. Really sad.
0: That's so sad. I mean, I'm guessing he, so when you say he was addicted, it was probably pain meds induced, right? Like he's had chronic pain from it?
1: Yeah. From and the he, accident? mm mm-hmm. Sad. And then he died. It's so weird when you look at their ages, like he died- you know, he did a few movies after The Misfits from that, but he died of a heart attack too at like 45. Like he was so young. Yeah, wow. Well. Marilyn and Monroe I, was only
0: 36, right? And then Park Cable was older. and He looks pretty yeah. old in this movie.
1: Yeah, he looks kind of gnar- normal. But I mean, Christ, he could have been 26 the way people looked back then. I know, yeah. There was... Oh, and then I saw that the night that... I don't know if this is true. Something I read that they said that the night that Montgomery Cliff died the mitzvahs was playing on television and his like personal nurse or secretary was like, do you want to watch it? And he went, absolutely not. And then went to bed and then was dead by the next oh.
0: oh.
1: Right now. So yeah. it's really sad. I'm just yeah. train wrecky kind of people. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, that's all I had about that. Well,
0: it's a really good movie. I recommend it.
1: Yeah. I probably should watch it. I love her. Yeah. She's great.
0: that we're still on February 1st, 1972 wings releases the song give ireland back to the irish which i did not know it was wings debut single i didn't know that huh, i didn't know that either and it was what a way to start off your career for your new band because um it was a protest song it was almost immediately banned when it came out so it really didn't get much airplay in the uk or over here in america it was written by paul and linda mccartney in response to the events of bloody sunday which took place a few days earlier on January 30th. So just to recap what happened happened in Derry, uh, sometimes called the Bogside Massacre, Bloody Sunday was a massacre that resulted from British soldiers shooting 26 unarmed civilians who were peacefully protesting internment without trial. So basically the violation of, of the rights of, of prisoners arrested in Northern Ireland. And it was organized by the Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association. Many of those who were shot were struck while fleeing or helping the wounded, 14 were killed. Two of those were run over by British military vehicles. People were also injured by rubber bullets and beaten with batons. All victims were Catholics. So the Republic of, Ire- the Republic of Ireland, so uh, not Northern Ireland, but the, the country of Ireland, uh, held a National Day of Mourning. <laughs> I don't know why I think this is like, I never heard this, it's kind of amazing. Crowds swarmed the British Embassy in Dublin and fucking burnt it to the ground <laughs> like you like fuck around and find out
1: way to send a message
0: yeah jesus the soldiers were initially exonerated of course and based on lies that were told about you know claiming that the the protesters were throwing rocks at the soldiers and molotov cocktails Meanwhile, they had you know their bullet wounds were in their backs because they were fleeing there, there were priests there i mean it just wasn't really they were they're obviously lying because somebody fucked up and Made an order to shoot and it was a mistake. So David Cameron finally apologized on behalf of the British government for the massacre in 2010. Well, it was a few years later. <laughs> 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 oh. So back to the song. Anyway, the song, I love the song. It's not exact, it's catchy, but it's not, I mean, the lyrics are a little clumsy, so that might be also why it's not that well known.
1: I didn't know Wings sang that. Yeah. I don't know i just feel like i heard that song on like irish bars on saint patrick's day oh you do yeah <laughs> yeah
0: and it reached it only reached number 16 in the uk number 21 on in the billboard top 100 but it reached number one in both ireland and spain and they think the reason for it being number one in spain is because of uh support from basque separatists so similar people fighting for similar causes and i mean the people blasted Paul McCartney for this they called him an IRA supporter even though the song is very clearly just basically pro-peace and anti-imperialism and uh, apparently he has Irish um ancestry on his mother's side so I mean you know it it bothered him and it bothered Linda and they decided to write a song about it so and it's a great song I love a good protest song though so yeah so that was uh February 1st 1972. Then I have a big jump to 19, to 2003, because that's, that was the space shuttle Columbia disaster. Do you remember that happening?
1: I don't remember. I mean, after I was reading about it, I remembered it, but I, I, I don't know. I just, I should remember it like more readily. I had to like, when I was reading, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But just hearing that name, I did not. Right. It It wasn't as,
0: it wasn't as big a deal as, um, the Challenger explosion. I think mainly because, well, Challenger had a civilian on, on board, Mm -hmm. right? So that was especially sad. Yeah. But then also, I didn't know this, but the Columbia was, it was, it happened when it was coming back.
1: Right, right, right. So they had finished their mission. And because of stuff that happened to it, when it took
0: off. It took off and there was damage. Well, I have a quote here because I didn't really understand it. During the launch, damage had occurred that allowed hot atmospheric gases to penetrate the heat shield and destroy the internal wing structure, which caused the spacecraft to become unstable and break apart. So upon re-entry, that's when it started to break apart. The thing that's creepy about all this is that when this damage happened, they all knew about it and there was no way to fix it. So basically everybody thought we just have to hope for the best and like hope that nothing horrible happens when they come back. I mean, it was literally like they were crossing their fingers because they couldn't repair it on this mission. Right. They didn't have the tools and the capability to do it. So when they were coming back, the first thing that went wrong was the, the shuttle started to yaw, like, which is like when it like, wobbles back and forth and they tried, the crew tried to regain control for about 41 seconds. Then the cabin depressurized and the crew lost consciousness, which is a comfort because yeah, they, they did thought. not, they were completely incapacitated when they did, uh, when
1: not like the challenger,
0: no. Right. When their fatal injuries occurred, they, they were, they were unconscious. So, so yeah, it was really sad. So it was seven, seven crew members. And that was the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster, 03. Oh, and then 2004, February 1st, was the wardrobe malfunction. Oh. Janice, Janet Jackson accidentally flashing her boob at the...
1: Did you watch the documentary that was just I didn't. I didn't watch it. My brother watched it. He said it was great. And I want to watch it because she definitely got the shaft in that whole freaking debacle.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not really her fault.
1: No. And then, you know, Justin Timberlake came out kind of, you know, I don't know he still had like a career afterwards
0: yeah i mean is it no one knew that was gonna happen i mean i don't think it's such a big deal i mean come on guys this is such a weird puritanical country we live in like, well yeah they're right. not even nipple
1: it's not even i, I mean trying to sound like
0: a dirt bag but it's not even had, like a, a, pasty she had yeah, a pasty on yeah she had like on. black duct tape on her boob
1: but yeah i uh
0: this is like the country where someone breastfeeds at the mall and people flip out so i know knows, like, and then
1: whatever. she kind of like went away after that which sucks because God damn it. I love Janet Jackson. I yeah, love she's Janet Jackson's songs still.
0: I do. I'm not going to lie, though. I do love Justin Timberlake songs too.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, he's got a, some catchy ones, but yeah. I don't know. I, I felt like that whole thing could have been handled a lot better where he kind of came out unscathed and she kind of. It's no one's I don't fault
0: know. and who cares? I mean, they were fined a lot of money. The network. The I um, know. Seems kind of silly, doesn't it? I mean,
1: I don't know. Well, I guess I the whole know. thing is like little kids were watching it and stuff and. But still, I feel like yeah. they can see worse on, I don't know, YouTube.
0: Anyway, so February 2nd. The only thing I have for February 2nd was, that's when Philip Seymour Hoffman died in 2014. Uh, I this loved summer.
1: him. I, Jake and I were just recently talking about him. because You know, I, I didn't see every movie he's ever been in. But the movies that I did see him in, I got like emotional reactions from every Part that he had. Like I loved him. I loved him in Magnolia. He played the nurse in that, you know, with Jason Robards was dying, and he played his nurse in Magnolia, and he was so great in that movie. And then like he was such a dick in that son of a woman movie, which was like his first movie. Yeah, he was
0: such a little punk. Like oh
1: God. But I and I remember hating him when I watched that movie. I remember loving him watching Magnolia. Oh, God, he was so pathetic in boogie nights. And I just. Oh, wanted- yes. He could play like all pathetic, oh,
0: funny and silly, then he arrogant to
1: me. So mu- oh, I was so grossed out in along Came Polly. Like that movie is almost unwatchable for me because he's so repulsive. In I don't it. think I saw that. Oh, my God. It's with Ben Stiller. Oh, yeah. I don't and think he I plays his disgusting friend who's like a child actor who has like he's like a loser and he's like hanging on to his like fame from when he was a kid in like one movie or something but he's so repulsive and gross whatever movie he's in I either freaking hated him or he made me cry or he grossed me out and I just he's wanted fantastic. to never watch him again. yeah he was just good Could
0: just do anything do you remember in um he's kind of people don't think of him in this movie but do you remember um the talented Mr. Ripley
1: Oh, he was a prick in that too. Yeah.
0: So isn't it interesting that he stands out to you as a, as like a, a shit and like a, just a prick and like a jerk in that movie. And yet he's actually not the bad guy. Well, <laughs> if anything, oh, yeah. <laughs> if anything, he's onto the bad guy early, but you still don't yeah. like him. That's how good yeah. of a job he did. He's I like, know. I've got to yeah. be an unlikable, like rich little American shithead living in Italy. Yeah. And you still don't like him. Like he still manages nope. to, um, yeah, he was great. He's in that just too. great.
1: And then his son is in that licorice pizza movie. Yeah, which I haven't, I haven't seen, yet.
0: seen yet. No, I haven't seen that.
1: But that was, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson movie yep. where he, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman did a gazillion movies with him, which is kind of, you know, sad and nice that he cast his son in his next movie. But
0: yeah, it is. It's just it was so sad. And like um, and he had gotten clean. It's one of those things like he had cleaned up and they. Mm-hmm. it was ultimately like heroin and push and drugs. Yeah. Shitty. It's really sad very sad okay february 3rd february 3rd 1943 four u.s military chaplains die after the troop transport ship that they were on was torpedoed in the north atlantic by a german submarine so the chaplains became folk heroes because they helped troops aboard lifeboats help them stay calm help them board lifeboats and then when the life jackets ran out uh they gave up their own and they went down with the ship several witnesses said they were spotted all four chaplains had their arms linked, and they were singing hymns as they went down. Ugh. And um, I'm going to read their names, and from where they are, from you know, like religious order or whatever that they're from. And it I, it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke because it's like a Methodist, <laughs> a Methodist minister, a Catholic priest, a rabbi, and a reverend walk into a bar. It's Methodist minister, Reverend George L. Fox, Rabbi Alexander Good, Catholic priest, Father John P. Washington, and Reformed church minister, Reverend Clark B. Bowling. And there's supposed to be a movie. I think it would make a great movie. I know we Mm -hmm. always say that. This would be a great movie. And there were talks about a movie as recently as not even that long ago, a few years ago, and just kind of never materialized. So yeah, anyway, so they were like folk heroes at the time. and
1: I never heard about that either. Yeah, they kind
0: of got forgotten in time, unfortunately. but. I think it's interesting and so february 3rd this is the doozy for this episode is february 3rd 1959 uh plane en route from clear lake iowa to moorhead minnesota crashes killing buddy holly richie valens and the big bopper which we alluded to I, yeah. this was totally accidental in our last episode because of the coin right. toss with carol lombard's plane so i didn't you know okay so <laughs> do you you know you can kind of remember certain movies that you saw in the theater even when yeah. you were little you have like, oh yeah, my dad took me to see that, or, um, whatever. Mm-hmm. So my sister, my older sister took me to see La Bamba in the theater. I saw it in the theater because I was a little kid at the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I didn't know how it ended.
1: I'm so <laughs> you missed that part. <laughs> so when it ended, I was like, what the fuck? Richie Valens dies?
0: Like, I didn't know. Like, I just thought I didn't. You know, everyone in there figures like, oh yeah, this is the one about the plank, right, You know, they're just gonna end sadly because it's Richie Dolls. Well, I didn't know that because I was <laughs> I, I was nine and I your, didn't it know that. Interrupt your young child world. So sad. I was so sad. Oh my god. Well oh, it's incredibly depressing. So, but they don't. They don't really cover. Well, rightfully, I mean, it's not supposed to be about his death. Well, baba's about his life. So right. whatever. They didn't talk about this. <laughs> so, uh, and when I also never saw the Buddy Holly movie. Did you see that one with um Gary Busey? No. In the eighties, yeah, I never. I, never I think it was a TV movie. I didn't see that one, so I have no idea. I didn't know all these details about the what led up to the the plane crash. So, so these the three these three uh, performers were performing as part of a tour of the Midwest called the Winter Dance Party. Buddy Holly was the headliner, and his band was also the backup band for the other performers, who were all up and coming artists. And they were Richie Richie Vallance, Big Bopper, and then Dion and the Belmonts. Uh, the tour was grueling. It was 24 cities in 24 days with no days off. It was cold and miserable. I mean, this is like the Midwest in February. It sounds like a nightmare. And the tour bus was crap. They booked these dumpy, like, tour buses that kept breaking down. They'd have to send out a new one. So the conditions in general were terrible and the planning was ridiculous. So rather than having, having the stops clustered close together, like dictated by logic, the tour sent the musicians on a meandering schedule that, where they were sometimes 400 miles from the next stop. And this was before the interstate. So these are back roads and, you know, little highways. There was no road crew. So the musicians themselves had to load and unload all their equipment. Buddy Holly's drummer, uh, Carl Bunch, had to be hospitalized for frostbite after their bus stalled and they were stuck without heat for a few hours. So while Bunch was incapacitated, Holly, Valens and Dion took turns playing drums for each other at the performances in Green Bay, Wisconsin and Clear Lake, Iowa with Buddy playing drums for Dion Dion playing drums for Richie and Richie playing drums for Buddy I mean you think of these people as like famous musicians and they're traveling in this dumpy bus like I having know. to fill in for each other
1: and but I mean how freaking good are you that you can just jump oh just, I know I'll just fill in and do the drums tonight uh, uh, uh first of all <laughs> I didn't know if Buddy Holly or Richie Valens could play drums No, but apparently they could that's amazing yeah incredible we don't, we don't need the drummer I, I we can cover that incredible and also, you just knew the song. I mean, you could just pick it up and
0: learn that song. You weren't even supposed to be the drummer, but you're just going to wing it. It's amazing. Um, so at this point, Buddy Holly had had enough. And the next scheduled destination after Clear Lake was Moorhead, Minnesota, which was a 365-mile drive north-northwest. And this is a quote from the Wikipedia article about it. As a reflection of the poor quality of the tour planning, a journey that would have taken them directly back through two towns they already played in the, the previous week. They were literally backtracking. I mean, what the hell? So, um, Buddy Holly decided to charter a plane after the show in Clear Lake, Iowa to fly him and two others to the next stop in Moorhead, Minnesota. So there were basically four seats on the plane, the pilot, and then three seats for passengers. Um, Buddy, Buddy Holly was one of the, you know, he was, he had a seat. And then his bandmate, Tommy, also offered to flip a coin with Richie Valens because Richie Valens was coming down with a cold. Unfortunately, uh, Richie Hall, Richie Valance won that coin toss. Well, fortunately for Tommy Alsop, I guess. Uh, Waylon Jennings, another one of Buddy Holly's bandmates, gave up his seat to J.P. Richardson, who's the big big bopper, because he felt so bad for Richardson, who had like full blown flu at this point. And uh, when Buddy Holly found out that Jennings had given up his seat to the big bopper, he th- there was a very there's a now infamous exchange that happened where. Buddy Holly said to Jennings, well, I hope your old bus freezes up. And Jennings joked back, well, I hope your old plane crashes. Yeah, haunted Waylon Jennings for the rest of his life. So shortly after takeoff, it was wintry, cloudy, and pitch black. The plane crashed in a cornfield. This was about 1 p.m. And the wreckage was discovered the following morning at about 9.35 a.m. And it was discovered by a plane that was sent out. Because they they realized they hadn't heard anything from the pilot, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna say the real names and ages of everyone because I just oh this is even remember. this makes
1: it even more depressing when you hear how old they all are
0: seriously. And it, the one reason I want to say the real names is that you know uh, Richie Valence had like a, a whitewashed name to make him mm-hmm. sell more records, or at least they thought it would help him sell more records. And then obviously the big bopper that was not his own name. So Charles Harden Holly, Buddy Holly, who's age 22. Richard Stephen Valenzuela. Age 17 years old. That was Richie Valance. Uh, Giles Perry Richardson Jr. Uh, that was the big bobber. He's aged 28. And the pilot was Roger Peterson, aged 21. None of these gentlemen were older than 30. I mean, that's so incredibly sad. Yeah. Also, my God, so talented. Such young yeah. ages.
1: 17 years old.
0: Uh, he's just a teenager. Imagine what so he sad. could have done. Still in high school. Of Still in high school.
1: I know. It's crazy.
0: So sad. Multiple family members learned of, I didn't know about this. Oh, this it's, is
1: horrible. Yes. Yeah.
0: Multiple family members. Le- well, you kind of see this in LaBamba, though. Remember? Uh, Richie's mom hears about it on the radio. On the radio. And then Donna, who was Richie valen's girlfriend, her- hears about it when she gets to school because everyone knows from the radio. And multiple other family members learned of the deaths from their loved ones via radio and TV reports. And ho- Buddy Holly's wife was pregnant at the time when she heard about the plane crash watching a television report news report and she had miscarried from the, the trauma of the situation so this altered uh the the legacy of this is that it altered the protocols for releasing names of victims before the next of kin has been informed so you hear that sometimes when you hear about an accident mm-hmm. you know we're not going to release names until the next of kin is informed so an investigation into the crash revealed that literally everything was wrong the pilot was not certified to fly in low visibility conditions the pilot was not trained to fly this model plane which had different equipment and everything else and the pilot was not briefed properly on the type of weather that was going on so we didn't even know how bad it was and how bad it was getting so it was just bad all around Just was very sad so we talked about american graffiti i think in our first episode and i always think of when i think of this tragedy i think of a quote from harrison ford's character in american graffiti he says rock and roll's been going downhill ever since buddy holly died so mm-hmm. yeah sometimes called the day the music died february third uh, 1959 so there are two biggies for february 4th but i did not deep dive them at least not this year so patty hearst is kidnapped
1: that's just that whole thing's crazy
0: bananas so maybe i'll deep dive it when she goes on like trial which is
1: like later on yeah i'm know. sure it'll pop up with all the other stuff but i mean that oh that you could go into the three podcasts about the patty hearst um, how about just
0: a podcast on how fucking weird the 70s
1: were <laughs> or like, like every- California I feel like yeah <laughs> <laughs> everything because was in California right like she yeah was, like, it
0: was she was in like uh like the like Bay Area bur- yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it's like uh freaking nuts man but yeah that whole yeah. thing is, was she really brainwashed or was she- I know I know I yeah. never
0: you know for years I went back and forth about whether or not um you know that was because that was her defense and I don't know you know I mean she was she was she was with them a long time. I mean, it's possible that she was brainwashed, but it was also possible that she, she was moved Into to it. their side. I don't know. Who knows? So I'll talk about that when, like, her trial comes up. And then 1983, February 4th, was Karen Carpenter dies at the age of 32, heart failure due to anorexia.
1: Another really sad. sad,
0: talented person. Yeah, she was a badass. You know, the coolest thing about her, in my opinion, was, because I'm not a huge fan of Carpenter songs, but her, her, she was a drummer. She was an amazing so- drummer.
1: Yeah, and uh, her voice was beautiful. Yeah, she I had a great that. voice. Yeah. not
0: my kind of music, but she—they were very talented.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm sad, sad.
0: And she became kind of like this, the poster child for anorexia because I don't think a lot of people have really heard of it, and
1: and she was sick for a good chunk of time before she actually died. I mean, and and visibly anorexic.
0: Yep. That, that's right. And a lot of people, a lot of people who weren't alive at that time, don't realize that it, it wasn't like. It was a shock because she's only 32 but i mean her weight was obviously very, yeah. i mean it was obvious that something was wrong and she had been asked on like talk shows and stuff about it and she would get very defensive you know she was part of the disease I and mean, she's very defensive of it and didn't want to talk about it um but i mean you you can see the pictures the evolution you can look like google the mm-hmm. pictures from the 70s and in the early 80s that can see the dramatic shift so it wasn't something it was a surprise but i mean it, yeah it everybody like, knew she had a problem yeah
1: right she was sick for a while
0: yeah it's very sad and then february 5th 1994 byron La beckwith is convicted of murdering civil rights leader Medgar evers 30 years after he was shot in his driveway i thought this was interesting that you went into you know i love true crime and I, there's a lot of breaks that are happening in cases thanks to dna has now evolved and they do like genealogical testing so they can find like using your a g- family a gazillion,
1: tree. a gazillion years later you can get yeah out.
0: exactly and but unfortunately a lot of these pieces of shit are dead i know so it's kind of nice that this guy was alive at least i mean it's very delayed obviously 30 years free but whatever so evers was a uh Medgar evers was a prominent civil rights activist he led peaceful rallies, boycotts, and voter registration drives throughout Mississippi in the 1950s and 1960s, and he was shot and killed in his driveway on June 12, 1963. Byron Dela Beckwith, a member of the KKK, was widely believed to to be the killer, and two all-white, all-male juries failed to convict him in both trials. It was was two hung juries in a row. So here's a quote from Wikipedia about it. I also got a lot of info from History.com. I had a really good article about it. But, um, in 1973, informants alerted the FBI that Beckwith planned to murder AI Botnick, director of the New Orleans-based Benai Anti-Defamation. This guy's such a piece of shit. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, that's not, that's not part of the quote from Wikipedia. I didn't reject that. The attack was a racially motivated retaliation for comments that Botnick had made about white Southerners and race relations. Following several days of surveillance, New Orleans Police Department officers stopped Dale Beckwith as he traveled by car on the Lake Pontchartrain Causeway Bridge to New Orleans. Among the contents of his vehicle were several loaded firearms, a map with with highlighted directions to Botnick's house, and a dynamite time bomb. On August 1st, 1975, De Beckwith was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder. He served nearly three years in Angola prison in Louisiana from May 1977 until he was paroled for some bizarre reason in January, 1980. So obviously, this guy's piece of shit. He was an active ten. This is ten years after he shot Medgar Evers. He was still active in white supremacist organizations, and this time he targeted a prominent member of the Jewish community. I mean, guy's piece of shit. So Evers' widow, and I think it's pronounced Murley, it's M Y R L I E, never gave up pressuring authorities to reopen her husband's murder case and retry Beckwith. Murley would go on to become the first female to chair the NAACP. The case was finally reopened and a new trial set after documents indicating jurors were illegally screened to ensure that those selected were sympathetic to Beckwith. came to light. So they found all this evidence that they were unfairly or illegally, like basically filtering out jurors to make sure that, that Beckwith had a sympathetic jury. Um, new fingerprint evidence as well as new witness testimony that Beckwith had bragged about the shooting were also introduced. He was convicted of first degree murder. Justice was finally served. He died in two thousand one at the age of eighty. That's in piss. So that was Seriously? ninety so ninety four to 01. he was in back in prison. So that's good, I guess. Ugh oh,
1: mm-hmm. so gross.
0: Piece shit. Yeah. So that was February fifth, February sixth. I have King George the dies, Elizabeth becomes queen. Do you watch The Crown?
1: I watched the first season. Jake I love the first it. season.
0: I think the first season is the best, in my opinion. Because I think oh, it's really well. I also think it, it's more interesting. Well, at least to me, because I didn't know all those details. You know, I didn't know that, I didn't know that, that they had, that they did, that they lied and didn't say how sick George VI was. He, he basically was terminally ill. I mean, his lungs were, he had that lung operation and the the only remaining lung was like Mm -hmm. out of commission, but they didn't tell anyone, which is so weird to me. I mean, at, at least prepare Elizabeth.
1: Those royals. I mean,
0: she was like, it was like sprung on her. And of course, they that they were actually very close, and so it was sad. You know, she mm-hmm. obviously had to mourn her, her dad too, which is sad. But I thought they portrayed that really well in the Crown. That that whole mm-hmm. that whole like her was that called Ascension. Nineteen ninety three, Arthur Ashe dies of AIDS related illness at the age of forty nine.
1: Oh, and then you think about like forty nine, like back when that happened, like I don't remember. Yeah, everyone just seems older when you're a kid.
0: Well, and he he was looking terrible. The last like oh well, years, yeah, so sad
1: but that ugh, just, and he
0: got it from he contracted it during a blood transfusion he had had a heart surgery a in surgery day. yeah yeah um he is the only now this stat is so confusing and I couldn't find clarification for it anywhere but he is the is listed as the only African American to win actually the only black man so from any country to win Wimbledon and the US and Australia opens does that mean he's the only? one to win all three of those like the combination or is he the only one no he's not the first he's he can't be the only one to win we've had other right i don't know i don't know tennis either
1: i'm i can't say that i'm a big tennis fan freak that to know that but
0: i think it might be the combination i don't know so that's what it says everywhere that's how it's listed so i don't know what that means specifically so, and I found this on history.com, off the court, Ash was known for his commitment to charitable causes and humanitarian work. He established tennis programs for inner city children and campaigned against apartheid in South Africa. So, it was really sad. There was an Arthur Ashe tennis center near my old neighborhood in Philly. Oh, really? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. February 7th, I've never heard of this at all, this show. This is, there was a show called Super Train, one word. Mm premiered on nbc february 7th it's i mean i tried to watch it lauren oh my god where'd you stinker. Find it? stinker Stinker. yeah i found it on youtube super train 79 february seventh, nineteen 1979 i was just a few weeks old and it is like an it was an epic flop it was very expensive so the the concept was that it was like a love boat but on a train but it was a giant train why did it, was it like,
1: why wasn't it successful uh, oh, I can't see
0: why yeah what were they how could this not win I don't understand and it was like a giant train like super super wide like as wide as like a house a super train yeah a super, <laughs> you, one might holiday super train and uh it basically was just you know like had these lavish sets and had miniature you know they had to build miniatures for the to make it look like it was you know outside shots and it it tanked really fast even they even tried just kind of like reboot it and it's still tanked big time
1: did it have like celebrity guests and stuff
0: yep, yep it was supposed to be like this just like love boat you know where they have like every uh. every episode has a new womp womp so february 8 1990 Del shannon the sing the old singer from the 60s dies from a self-inflicted gunshot wound it's so sad so the reason i wanted to bring this up is not to be like um, Debbie Downer again, but they're sort of an interesting legacy from this this sad uh, event. He was born Charles Westover in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Del Shannon was a chart-topping singer-songwriter, and his, mo- his most famous song is Little Runaway. So he, was, he had some hits, but... And then History.com had a nice quote about him. They said, In a period when the American pop charts were dominated by cookie-cutter teen idols and novelty acts, Del Shannon stood out as an all-too-rare example of an American pop star whose work reflected real originality. So interestingly, after he shot himself, Del Shannon's widow um, decided to sue the pharmace- pharmaceutical company Eli Lilly because Del Shannon had been taking Prozac for depression. And she believed that the, the suicidal ideations came after mm-hmm. she started taking Prozac. And the suit was eventually dropped, but this started that whole, you know, now it's actually listed for SSRI. Yeah. yeah. Which has always seemed bananas to me.
1: Yeah, it's like, if you can, if you can get through those first few weeks of taking it. Oh my. And not kill yourself, then it will work for you. Right.
0: Like, like also how depressing that a, a medicine for depression could actually like trigger, you know, like know. the worst side it effect of depression, which is, is suicide. It's just so sad. So, um, anyway. So that's February 8th, February 9th. 1960, this is a bananas event in history that I never heard of. The heir to the Coors Brewing Empire, Adolf Coors III, is kidnapped and killed by an escaped murderer, Joseph Corbett Jr.
1: I don't remember hearing this. Ever. I never
0: heard about it in my life. Uh-uh. Never. Also, movie? Hello. be Another good
1: movie. <laughs> <laughs> Even a TV movie, something.
0: Stop making Fast and Furious movies and make, <laughs> make this one.
1: There you go
0: so he was CEO at the time um he was leaving for work his car was stopped by Corbett and he was they know that he was assaulted at the scene because there was blood at the scene and his eyeglasses were found by his stopped car uh his wife, course wife received a ransom note the next day demanding five hundred thousand dollars for his return and I mean there was a nationwide hunt for this uh for course and anyone that could have you know that would have taken it but I don't know if they tried to give the money or how how that went down, but his remains were found months later, September 11th, 1960. And the way they found the guy who did it, this Corbett Jr. guy is a partially burned out car that matched the description of a car that had been spotted near where horse's car had been found was was found in New Jersey. It was burnt out and they, they linked the like bin numbers on the cars. They were like oh this it's this guy this is the same similar card to people tell witnesses and it's you know that guy suspiciously moved out of denver the day after this after this incident they tracked him down it was a fake the guy had been registered and living in denver with a under a fake name and they tracked him down found his real name to be joseph corbett jr he was an escaped god and they and they found him in vancouver canada
1: yeah, that's crazy.
0: Oh, and there were also links to his typewriter, I and mean, there's a lot of evidence, physical evidence against him. The soil on the on the car matched the dirt in the area where the this very unusual dirt in the area where the body was found. So there was lots of evidence against him. He always didn't always claimed to be innocent. And the weirdest thing about all this, so he was convicted and sent to prison in 1961. He was paroled in 1980. What the fuck? First of all, he didn't even admit that he did it. Why does he get to get out?
1: I don't get there's it. like people that get arrested for pot that are in there for longer. That's ridiculous.
0: So it's ridiculous. So he drove a tr- he drove a truck for the Salvation Army after his release, and then he shot himself in 2009. <laughs> I mean, he lived a long time out, out of parole. I mean, I was born in '79. This motherfucker was paroled in 1980, and this and he just died in 09. So he also lived and worked like 10 miles from where this all went down. This kidnapping and murder. I mean, it's just weird to me that he was paroled. This high-profile murder. I just think it's so weird that someone, not only is he a man who he murdered a prominent citizen, he also was an escaped murder. I mean, he's already been in prison for murder and you let him out for parole. Yeah, it's like having
1: strikes before you have to like actually complete your sentence.
0: Totally bizarre, totally bizarre. I don't really have anything for the 10th, but February 11th is the February 11th, 1909, the 100th anniversary of of Abraham Lincoln's birthday. The NAACP is formed february is black history month and i thought it was kind of cool to talk about Mm the NAACP forming so in 1905 a group of 32 prominent african americans met at a hotel in canada because u.s hotels were segregated to discuss the challenges facing african americans and how to address these challenges a year later three non-african americans joined the group and this they became known as the niagara movement because of where they had their meetings so many of the board members of the Niagara Movement uh went on to form the NAACP after a conference was called in response to a race related protest in Illinois that had turned violent. So the the organization's founders included prominent African Americans W.E.B. Du Bois, who was a socialist historian and civil rights activist, Ida B Wells, a uh, was fucking awesome journalist and uh anti-lynching crusader. Archibald Grimke was a lawyer, journalist, and diplomat, and Mary Church Terrell, a civil rights and suffrage a- activist, as well as non-African Americans, including Henry Moskowitz, who's a civil rights activist, Mary White Ovington, who's a suffragist and journalist, William English Walling, who was a socialist and labor reformer, and Florence Kelly, a social and labor activist. The first president being Morfield Story, an anti-imperialist civil rights activist. I just want to note that W.E.B. Dubois was instrumental in the organization's founding and its early operations particularly in his role as editor of the NAACP magazine the crisis and the jewish community was also heavily involved in the early years of the NAACP uh, yeah. with funding and serving on the board so i just mentioned this because but i just think it's interesting that this organization is founded by lots of people coming together to address the problem from all but different backgrounds i think sometimes i hate that term it takes a village but it kind of does sometimes Mm -hmm. the best and brightest from all worlds come together and to address a problem and a great organization was formed out of it so the stated purpose of the naacp is to ensure the political educational social and economic equality of rights of all persons to eliminate racial hatred and racial discrimination and i got this i thought this was interesting from history.com Due to its prominent numbers, landmark legal victories and lobbying for laws like the Civil Rights Act and the Voting Rights Act, the NAACP holds holds a place of distinction in the history of the civil rights movement. It remains the largest and oldest active civil rights group in the nation, and its emphasis on voter registration, legal defense, and activism have set an example of subsequent groups to follow.
1: I, I didn't know, like, the Jewish community being involved with it either, which, I mean, they're another, like, a, like a yeah. oppressed group, too, to be, Absolutely. you know, so it's, I don't know, it's yep. interesting. That, interesting. So, you skipped February 10th, and I... Oh,
0: I'm sorry. You have to mention... Valley of the Dolls?
1: Well, I read that, too. Oh, such <laughs> of a, course you enter, did. That is such an entertaining piece of shit. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, Glenn Miller? The Chad Nagatushi. What do you think of every time you hear that song referenced? What part of me boy is this the Transylvania Station? Young Frankenstein, oh, yeah, <laughs> that is all I ever really that part, that's so that random. Part used to make me laugh so hard. <laughs> and the little boys, like, I don't know what he's yeah, yeah, Truck 29 or something, but it kills me. <laughs> anytime I hear reference to that song, I think of part of you boys is Trans- Transylvania, uh, Transylvania Station. I fucking love that movie,
0: yeah that is that actually was, one of my favorite comedies i can't believe i don't remember that part
1: i know but that that one and valley of the dolls is just
0: yeah those are so the, the two new, the
1: book and the movie are just great i'm i have not so seen campy movie the movie's so campy and ridiculous but um
0: so february book, 10th we're talking about 1942 chattanooga choo-choo oh right is the first ever gold record selling a million copies and then 1966, February 10th is Valley of the Dolls is published, which I didn't realize is Jacqueline Suzanne is the author, it has sold over 30 million copies. So it's one of the best selling well, books was like It was
1: scandalous when it was.
0: Yeah, uh, I get that. And
1: it was, you know, it was just, you know, it was sex and drugs, like you right. know, lots of drug use and, you know, these young women having like sex and stuff. And
0: yeah, I never, I never read the it. The
1: movie is funny. And yeah. Patty Duke's in the movie. um Sharon, Sharon Tate's in it
0: oh that's right yeah
1: patty duke she's like the main character neely o'hara and then there's um sharon tate plays this other actress in the movie and yeah it's just about like yeah addiction and tragedy and but it's it's if you want a good kind of like
0: yeah like a junk read yeah
1: yeah and i don't even know why i thought to read it I don't know i went through a phase where i was reading like books from then like I read like what is that searching for mr good bar and oh i love
0: that book yeah that I mean, that was i didn't see the movie though you know i, I never saw the movie that movie I, never, I think
1: weren't we working together when we were trying to find that movie we yeah couldn't find it anywhere it's hard we to find you can't find it
0: like so based on my research the movie searching for mr goodbar which stars diane keaton is it looking or searching oh, okay. i'm sorry looking for is, mr but Bo- it is looking it for is. mr goodbar but it's, um, it's based on a true story about a, a very brutal murder. But the book, it takes place in the sixties and the movie is the seventies and be- it has a lot of like scenes in discos because she's like kind of trolling for guys. And, um, because of that, this is what I heard. Because of all the disco scenes, there's a lot of like music heard, like prominent yeah. and they can't get the right, they couldn't get the rights to like publish it, release it as like a DVD. I don't know if that's bullshit or not. So I found it on VHS, which, you know, is basically pointless. But I think Daniel tracked it down for me. He found it somewhere. He found the DVD for me. And well, I actually tried it again because it, it was
1: years ago when I tried looking for it. And I remember not being able to find it anywhere. You couldn't yeah, get it. It's hard you to find. find it at all.
0: The book was great. I think that book is great. But it's yeah, the like, book was
1: really good. But the, wow. yeah, so the, the book was, you know, that was a, a great read. Valley of the Dolls was not the same kind of great read. Yeah, more
0: like Junkie, yeah.
1: But yeah, that's still that kind of like All
0: uh... the same kind of like genre like. Mm-hmm. So, the last thing I was going to mention was February 13th, 1991, Silence of the Lambs is released and goes on to win Best Picture Oscar. I just realized like that's not that common for a horror or thriller to win a Best Picture. But that movie was so good. Mhm. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Uh, terrifying, fucking terrifying. Uh-huh. Oh so my creepy. God just sleep in my sister um, in my sister's room when I watched that
1: that night it was so scary it was really scary and I remember the book being more disturbing I guess I don't know books I think are you know it's even scary when you're reading it mm-hmm. I don't know when you're watching a movie you can like close your eyes or hold your yeah ears, yeah but when you're reading it you're like you have yeah. to get through it yeah but yeah there are the same Earl there are differences in that but I don't recall the differences in the book but I there were differences as like the ending in the ending in the movie when he um you know, he's often like some like tropical location. He's going to bat. He calls Clarice and he's going to kind of, he alludes that he's going to go have that guy that, what was that character? Was he a prison guard or something? The, or the, the Like a warden, the, right? Yeah. Who was going to eat him or something. But um in the book, uh Lecter was changing his face with plastic surgery. Oh. And I think he wrote Clarice a letter. It wasn't like, but yeah, it was more like, and he wasn't in like some tropical location. Yeah. And then, uh, I read that to recall it, that Clarice was more of a spitfire in the book. She hmm. would, like, fight back with Lecter. She was more of, she was more tough. And then in the movie, Clarice is kind of, like, soft-spoken. and
0: Yeah. She's, like, green and, like, yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And in the book, Clarice got a lot more help solving it. Like, in the movie, they make it seem like she's, like, this, you know,
0: right.
1: you know, like, a uh, genius that can kind of, figures out the clues on her own and comes to all the, you know, finds him on her own. But in the book, it's she's got more helping it but uh okay oh that that movie though
0: so, so it, i'll
1: watch it anytime it's on too it still holds up
0: yeah it's so good did you read all those other books like man was it manhunter mm-hmm. and no manhunter's another movie
1: i think is so disturbing
0: now uh, are you talking about the because there was one before there was one in the 80s wasn't that called manhunter the 80s one that's the one i think is freaky
1: okay okay yeah not the newer one with um Edward Norton right
0: yeah the 80s one is yeah because I remember that one was not a hit but it was in the same it was the same like character
1: yeah but no I never read any of the other ones Mm-mm. just just songs of the lambs
0: okay do you want to go to the rec room I have some stinkers Daniel's like that's okay because then if it's the rec room if they're bad stuff in the rec room it's w-r-u-c-k <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> but, okay I have quite a few stinkers this this episode so for a series we watched Vigil. It's it's a UK series about a sub a submarine, like a murder that happens on a submarine and it winds up being like political intrigue and like, you know, kinda of espionage kind of thing like that. Who's in it?
1: Anybody famous in it?
0: Well, famous in Britain, I mean,
1: oh. oh wait, is it the one actress who is in like um
0: Rose Leslie from um she was in Down Abbey. She's the maid that goes off and becomes a typing goes to typing school.
1: Oh, the one who married uh, the guy from Game of Thrones. We were both in Game of Thrones. Yes, that's right. Jones. Yes, no. uh-huh. sorry.
0: Yeah, and then Saran Jones, who's like in a lot of.
1: She, Doctor Foster.
0: Yes, she's Doctor Foster.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay.
0: Martin Compton, who is in Line of Duty. Is it Line of Duty or Call of Duty? Like Call of Duty is the game. Line mm-hmm. of Duty is the show. And then Adam James, which is like he plays like a, a douchebag you want to punch in the face in every series. It's, it's good. It's one of, it's sort of like locked room-ish because it's on a submarine, but there's also scenes on land because she's got like a partner who's working the case on land for her. Um, so that one was pretty good. Station 11. I forgot to mention this last episode.
1: Oh, uh, my friend Megan told me to watch that. It's that was really one. good. Told, is that HBO?
0: That's the one I, I texted you and you were like, Oh, maybe it was you oh, that shit, I want to, I want to read this book.
1: Oh, right. You did say that, but then, um, uh, my friend was also watching it too
0: where is station 11 no you're right it's hbo
1: it's back. Mm-hmm. i see it every time i pull up that um
0: it's really good it's it's a uh, you know it's about
1: uh it's like end of the world stuff
0: yeah but it's not it's not the ugliness of mankind at the end of the world it's more like people trying to live their like you know there's there's some it's not that there's no like villains or bad guys in it but it's just i don't know I, I, it's really no, I, I did...
1: and that's a series right
0: yes that's a series very good. I highly recommend that one. And then we watched Stinker, the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Oh my god! Wow. What well, it's supposed to be stupid, right? I know. I guess it's supposed to be like.
1: Well, did almost, you ever, like,
0: funny? But it wasn't really that kind of dumb because
1: it's based on all those like piece of shit books about yeah. like drunk women witnessing murders or something like. Yeah. There was, there was the woman in the window and the lady in the train, or yeah those there was uh... it
0: it wasn't heavy-handed enough with that joke that kind of those kind of jokes for me it was i don't know i thought it was kind of dumb and then we watched uh, a series called the tourist which is about a guy in australia and you don't you don't know what happened to him and neither does he and as he's putting it together is when you learn like how he got to where he is and it's it's good it's mm. you know and i didn't as Daniel likes to say, it shit the bed, cause the last, like, two episodes we were like, what? No, like, you oh, know, that's a bummer. Sh- I hate when they shoehorn in stuff to try to make it make sense or whatever, so. No, that's annoying. Like, last- so I, I don't know, I could, you could skip that one. And then for movies, okay, top of the list, you have to watch, it is so fucking funny, Barb and Star
1: go to Vista Belmont. <laughs> no i do want to see it though well i think anything kirsten wig does is hysterical
0: so funny it is so funny i we were laughing so it's so ridiculous but i mean it's it's a like i just put to put this out there for our listeners like go with a grain of salt like it is absolutely like absurd and ridiculous yeah silly so funny funny. it is so fun we were laughing so hard though i loved it so funny, and I—I I feel like I don't know. I there's had been a lot of good comedies lately, so I really needed it. But it was so funny. And then we watched Belfast, which was oh man, everybody fucking loves that movie.
1: I wanted to see it. I'm glad. Well, I I, I saw know. the Oscar nominees come out, and I've only seen two of them. The movie Best Pictures. I'm so I'm like, who am I? Because I used to try to see everything I
0: know we were so good about that.
1: <sighs> no, like I saw I saw um the Power of the Dog. That yeah, one? I did not see that one. That okay. is, how can I I explain it? Like really weird movie but the acting in it was so great. Like, I don't know if I liked the movie, but I'm, I would thought everyone that was in it was awesome. So it's like okay. worth seeing just to see how good, like Kirsten Dunst is great in it. Benedict Cumberbatch is amazing in it. Okay. But the movie as a whole, I don't know if I like, okay. Loved it, but it was worth watching it because they're, they're all so good in it. And then the other one. What was the other one I saw that's up for Best Picture? There's only two I saw. Oh, Don't Look Up. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. That one's up. And then, oh, Licorice Pizza is nominated for Best Picture. I didn't. I haven't watched it yet. Jake and I went to the movies for the first time in two years today. Oh. Because we both had off and we sent the kids to my mother-in-law's and she lives like within 10 minutes of the movie theater. And we had like a, a small window of time to actually fit the movie and then still be able to get something to eat. And licorice pizza was playing, but it was like late, like we wouldn't oh. have been able to see it. But um, we saw something that wasn't nominated for a best picture. But Yeah, but Belfast is one of them. And yeah, because you, know, you can rent, I can rent that on so, Amazon and watch yeah, it. Yeah,
0: I mean, okay, so Belfast is pros of it. I will say is that it tells a story about Northern Ireland that I have never heard, or you know, the perspective was interesting. So it's uh, what's his name, Kenneth Branagh. It's his mm-hmm. based on his childhood. So. Basically, it's a Protestant family living in Belfast. Protestant, you know, they're they're Northern Irish. They're living in Belfast. They're Protestant, but they're they're not interested. They're they have Catholic friends. They are not interested in this in bullying Catholics or being discriminating against Catholics. You know, all they see this bullshit as is you know dangerous to their kids and and their loved ones, and they don't. They're not, and they're. It's kind of about like their dad is harassed by the, what do they call them, the Ulster Unionists, like the pro-Protestant, like anti-Catholic people to try to get get him to support th- what they're doing. And he's like, no, fucking leave me alone. I'm just trying to like be a normal person and raise my family. And um, so it's, that was interesting. The acting is excellent. It's like all very good actors. It just kind of like missed the mark for me. I feel like it was trying to be funnier than it was. It had like some sort of like moments that were supposed to be funny. I don't know. It is fine, but I don't know. It's just not that great.
1: Oh, all right. Well, I won't bust my ass to see that one. Yeah,
0: I don't I mean I don't know.
1: We saw um Death on the Nile today.
0: <gasps> oh, how was it?
1: That's like top of my list, I'm dying to see it. So I mean I
0: Speaking of Kenneth. Put, it,
1: put it in yes. Speaking of him and then putting it in perspective, I hadn't been in a movie theater in two years. So I would have liked any kind of piece of shit that I saw because I was just so happy to have like popcorn and see everything. Yeah. And I've seen the um, original one.
0: Yes. I love the original, actually.
1: Yeah. So I the, I like the original one better. But okay. this one was good because it's really pretty. But you have like. So Gal Godot is the heiress, the yeah. rich woman in it. And I think she's one of the most beautiful women alive, yeah. but she's not a great
0: actress. No, she's not. And I honestly, I, I have trouble understanding her. I have, I'm one of those people that I I can't, accents are really hard for me. I really need like captions, like closed cap. I, even when I watch a British show, she has a very thick accent. I
1: find her yeah, so, to understand. But she's, she's like watching like, I don't know. Yeah. She's not great. A pile of bricks. Like she's not, yeah, she's not going to, she's not going to win any uh, awards. So she's not that great in it. Um, and then Army Hammer, who is a, a scumbag in real life, like I don't know how he. It was kind of smart because in the trailers that movie, you don't really see him in the trailer, but he's got all this like scandal in his like like he'll never make oh. another movie again. So he's oh got really, a, I didn't even yeah, know that he's got like I don't even know how it came to light, but like assault accusations, but like people who had been like involved with him had alluded that he wants to cannibalism, like he wants to, like he's like a he's what a hell. He's a freak. So the whole time I'm watching him and there's like some sexual situations with him and Gal Gadot because he plays the husband. You're just like, oh, God, he's such a freak. But uh, Annette Bening's in it and she's really good. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, there's a lot of people in it. It's beautifully shot. You know, it was fun to watch. But it was, you know, if you didn't read the book or you never saw the original movie, i guess you are trying to figure out who did it but like we're walking out to the car and there was this couple coming out behind me and the the husband's like oh i really it was like talking about how like the people he thought it was and i was oh. like i guess he never saw the original one that's on tv every random uh sunday afternoon before. i know i, I grew up, like up it. watching
0: that it's always on tv those ones were always on tv I remember that. um but that it was, one i mean in, that one in the, the old uh um uh murder on the orient express, Mur- yeah, also, yeah, yeah. Orient express.
1: uh-huh I mean don't run out, rush out and go to the movie theater to see it like when it comes on streaming stream it it's yeah streaming. i guess but uh, it's what
0: it's kind of funny like i don't mind i i was okay when i when um i actually whooped out loud in the theater when we were we, they showed the preview i didn't know it was coming but i knew because i love agatha christie and i and i knew that they were alluding to murder on the orient express when i first saw that preview and then I, he turned and it was Poirot's, it was uh-huh. obviously Poirot's mustache. I actually like gasped and whooped <laughs> out loud and I was like, Oh my God, they're doing it again. Like, I just love mm-hmm. that. Like, of all the shit to reboot and redo, like, yeah, I'm okay it's, with this. Like, yeah, yeah, this yeah. well doesn't have to be dry. You can revisit this. I'm fine with it. So, yeah, so um, that's cool. That's what we saw
1: today. Um, okay. Let's check it out. Oh, we started watching Succession on HBO. Did you watch that?
0: So, I, Daniel watches that. I decided not to watch that because I had this, like, I just don't really like watching things about, like, the very rich And I don't know. But Daniel's like, you're kind of missing out because I think you really like it. It's and so now freaking, I kind of like, regret not watching it. We're
1: only in the first season, but I love it. Really? I love it. I love it. It's so great. It's so, they're so fucked up and dysfunctional, and the acting's so good. And I love it. And then, you ever seen the Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley? Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that movie. Yeah, it's great.
0: Great.
1: So Mr. Darcy's in succession. Yeah. And seeing him not play Mr. Darcy is blowing my mind because he's so good in succession. He plays such an interesting character, like weird and quirky. And I, I, I don't know. It's blowing my mind. Everyone's, we're totally into it.
0: We watched a thriller that i really i thought i was thought was really good daniel finds great stuff though it's called kimmy Have you heard about this it stars um
1: is that the uh, uh kravitz
0: yes and she's very I... good in it so Ki- kimmy is is a um thriller uh that sort of reminds me of it's like a combination of do you remember that old story it was a it was a radio teleplay and then they made a movie out of it called sorry wrong number and it's about the lady who's like an invalid and she yeah, and she picks up the line yeah, yeah. Her, her line is her wires are crossed on her phone mm-hmm. and she thinks she overhears something like something that's about to go down that's like really bad and she's trying to get help for it it's very uh it's almost annoying to listen to because it's very like uh frenetic and and she's cut ca- she's actually kind of annoying because she's she's this socially kind of damaged person who's mm-hmm. Because she's an invalid and she's in be- sequestered in and bed, She's become very needy and dependent on people. So she, she's kind of bossy and annoying when she talks to people. And then on top of that, she's frantically trying to get help and she can't help. get it. So it becomes this kind of weird paced, like stressful story. And in this movie, Kimmy, the young lady, is, is it Zoe Kravitz? Yeah, Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. She is agoraphobic. And that has led her to have similar, like, personality flaws she kind of has an alienating personality because of that agoraphobia and so they she kind of finds herself in a similar boat like she's needs help but she's kind of alienated everyone in her life and she's she's got to go out and solve this problem on her own and she basically overhears something on she is one of those people that checks error reports on not siri is it siri or i don't have any of these things they're like names, Siri, Alexa? And Alexa. Alexa, yeah, like Alexa, play this song, you know, whatever. And she goes through them and she listens to like what went wrong. Like, oh, they misunderstood because she has a thick accent. Oh, like. that's and clever. And she hears something. So it's like a modernized version of sorry, wrong number. She hears something, like she doesn't know what it is. And oh, she's, huh. she's got to solve this problem on her own or whatever. Huh. So it's sort I, of, I don't want to give away too much, but it's basically like similar to that. It's sort of rear window vibes too, because it's kind of mm-hmm. a lot of it's shot inside her apartment. It's very good. It's only like an hour and a half long. Uh, it's it's um Soderbergh. Oh, really? Yeah, Steven Soderbergh.
1: Huh. Yeah, I checked that one out. And yeah. we started watching The Peacemaker too, which is that. Oh, I've heard Spana about guy. that. What is that again? It's funny. So it's like a spinoff of the Suicide Squad. So it's a superhero show. Got it. Okay. But it's funny, and I and I don't like love superhero shit, but it's it's good yeah um I don't think we've watched any movies I haven't read any I still haven't finished that other fucking book it's still sitting on my coffee table. please it
0: takes me forever I'm still chipping away I'm only a third of the way through the Stephen King book
1: oh man I know I'm it's so slow I know you devour them but but you don't want it to end though
0: because it's so good uh, you know I'm gonna get you that t-shirt from Monster Squad, Stephen King, King rules.
1: rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't have anything else to contribute to the record except for a Succession. Give it a shot. Emily. Okay. Yeah, lead.
0: I should. Daniel. Daniel.
1: So, Go to bed. Have a good night. Bye. Have a good night.